0: No one was more surprised than M. Brown McNally when he uncovered an earth-shattering family secret while looking into his ancestry. He shares the story in Devil Moon Over Philadelphia, the other Philadelphia story. So you started the book at the Jersey Shore?
1: Yeah, we've had this house here in Fornicate Lake almost 30 years. What happened, Alice, I was down here, I guess it was in 2017, and I was trying to research my... uh, grandfather's father and his family. He never told me anything about it. And uh, I found some startling information on uh, Amazon about my great grandfather. And uh, I said, man, I gotta write a book about this. Uh, I went on Ancestry and with the help of a cousin, she said, well, how old was your grandfather? Do you think in uh, 1900? I said, oh, maybe 60 years old, my great grandfather. And of course my grandfather, who I grew up knowing, he lived on the next street from me, and I always asked him, Grandpa, uh, what did your father do? And he said, well, he was a grocer in Philadelphia, and I said, well, do you have any brothers and sisters? And he said, well, they're all gone now. That's all I ever knew. So anyway, I go on Ancestry, and I knew my grand- great-grandfather's name was Peter David McNally. So. I put in the 1900 census, well, there he is, Peter D. McNally, grocer. Well I'm looking at this page, and I don't see any of his, uh, I don't see my grandfather listed as a son, or any daughters, or a wife, I just see the names of all these other men, and some of them are black, some of them are white, all different ages, and I said, what the heck is this? Where's he living, a boarding house or something? And uh, so I scroll on down, and lo and behold, it's the 1900 census of the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. My great-grandfather was in prison. I I said, what the heck? I said, how'd he get there? What what did he do? So what I did, I uh, subscribed to some newspaper archives. Where I could get any newspaper, any city, any date. So I bracketed the years from about 1850 to 1900, figuring if there there must have been some sort of a trial or something. So I put in some keywords: the penitentiary, his name, a trial, and uh, bang, there it was, October 15th, uh, 18. Uh, it was 1883 front page of the philadelphia inquirer and it says father shoots favorite daughter in the family grocery store that's what i said i said holy smokes what is this how'd that happen what what did he do why did he do that so i kept going uh more and of course the newspaper Uh, I just kept getting more and more information from subsequent newspapers and uh, found out what happened. The whole story was there, the trial was there, all the names, uh, all the names and everything in the book are totally real. The trial's real, the murder actually happened, Uh, and uh, it's, it's an incredible story. So I figured, you know, I have to write this book. So I, I researched my family's name, McNally, back as far as I could. And I, it went back uh, as far as 1778, all the way over in Glasgow, Scotland. That's where the book starts. Wow.
0: That's some, you, That it, took a lot of time, I bet.
1: And I'll tell you, I, I think anybody uh, who has an interest in their own family would enjoy this book, and it would probably inspire a lot of people to uh, do a lot of their own family research. I mean, this thing was a skeleton in the closet for 126 years, Alice. Nobody, Nobody, like your your
0: dad didn't know about it. I don't,
1: I I actually believe that uh, my grandmother, in other words, uh, my grandmother, when she married uh, my grandfather, my grandfather knew what happened. But I don't think he told her. I mean, can you imagine him saying, Edna, uh, I'd like you to marry me. And by the way, my, my father shot my sister. I don't think so.
0: Well, so I mean, I so
1: I don't think she knew. I don't think my father knew. I don't think any of the family knew this until I found out.
0: Well, I, I, I only have one question Is there any way it was justified?
1: Well, you have to read the book. I know. I realize (laughs) Uh, that. (laughs) All I can tell you is uh, there's a big struggle. When uh, my family left Ireland, uh, well, they left Scotland because of religious persecution. Two very brave young souls uh, took a boat and they went from Glasgow to Dublin. From Dublin, they migrated out into the countryside of Ireland uh, they started raising the McNally family there. They had kids. Uh, they were farmers, and then all of a sudden, in uh, the late 1840s, the potato famine hit. Right. Well, 12 million Irishmen died. That many, 12 million, nice. and uh, they were smart enough to uh, leave Ireland. And uh, migrate to uh, immigrate to uh, America. They went to New York first. They were there for ten years. Had a very hard time. Uh, Irish were not respected in New York. Matter of fact, there'd be signs up, you know, "Help wanted. Irish need not apply."
0: Right. That, yep.
1: And and one of the sons went down to Philadelphia, and he loved it down there. It the city of brotherly love. And he told his mother and father come on down, bring everybody down, so they went down to Philadelphia, and that's where my uh, great grandfather started uh, in the grocery business, and uh, the book will tell the whole story, but he, he had a lot of difficult times, a lot of difficult times doing it, he, he was a farmer, he wasn't right. a businessman, he right. didn't understand all this kind of stuff, but there's a lot of great history in there about uh, Philly. Uh, anybody who's lived there or around there would recognize a lot of the landmarks and a lot of the things that happened. And since the book, uh, the book really covered from late 1700s to 1910, when my great-grandfather died, uh, so what I've done throughout the book, I've put in some uh, historical markers. For instance, when Abraham Lincoln was elected when we when the civil war started. So it gives you a sense of where my family was when uh various things were happening in history.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. And I agree well, with you. I mean every family's got a story and it could be as intriguing as yours or it could be just something you would never never expect.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it took a long time. It took, uh, well, I guess close to five years to get this done. I mean, it's not a big book. It's only a couple hundred pages. But when I wrote it, I figured, let me write just enough to tell the story. I don't want to put in a lot of useless filler. So that's how the book got to be as long as it is. I put down what I thought was necessary, but uh, the research was really interesting. The, the closer I got to present day, uh, the better the research got, when I could get into uh, things like newspaper articles right. uh, and things like that. The, uh, ain't the old history, say going back to Scotland and Ireland, uh, was difficult. For, for instance, the name McNally in Scott means son of poor man, well, how many poor men were there? They were all over the place. Right. You know, my family was just some of them. And uh,
0: How did you figure out who was who? Because McNally is a very common Irish name, wouldn't you say? Well,
1: well, it is, but I was able to go back through, uh, through the birth certificates and through things like not just Ancestry, but there's several uh, other websites. There's one Irish Heritage and Scottish Heritage, and I was able to link, you know, the names of the mothers and fathers to the children and go back in history, as far as Scotland. But once I got there with the name Mcnally, there were just too many Mcnallys. The records weren't as good, right. but I'm abs- absolutely sure that the pe- all of the people in this book are real people. They're real names. The dates that they were born are within a year of each other because. People really didn't celebrate birthdays back then. Right. The big deal was getting baptized. And you could get baptized anywhere from uh, being a week old till 10 years old. So the baptismal records were, you know, plus or minus a few years. And I just, in the research, I just tried to use the best information I could. So I had real people, real dates, when they were born, when they died. I had birth certificates, or baptismal certificates, so I I knew even who witnessed the baptism, you know, the names of their friends and where it was, what church it was done in. Uh, when people died, death certificates, what they died from. And the death certificate tells you a lot of things, the color of the person's hair, the color of their eyes, how tall they were, how much they weighed. And then I had to uh, develop a character with these people, try to sort of guess how they acted, and a lot of that I did by what their professions were. You know, for instance, uh, my great-great-grandfather, besides besides being a a farmer, when they moved from uh, the farmland back over to Dublin right before they came to New York City, he worked in a tannery. Well, that was rotten, stinking work, you know. So you can imagine how people and the amount of money they made was nothing a couple shillings a week you know enough to buy a few loaves of bread so all the kids had to work you know they did go to uh catholic schools uh like a church school but you know uh once you were 14 that was it there was no no extra school no high school kind of thing it was you
0: went to work you're going you're going
1: you're going out to work right and that i can tell you that continued all the way up to uh my father huh my gra- my grandfather was a printer uh peter joseph in the book uh they call him pj that was his nickname well pj worked at this uh, printing company in philadelphia charles elliot and son which was a real printing company he went there uh when he was 14 years old and when my father was 14 my father lived in philadelphia with pj and uh he went to high school one day and PJ said, Joe, you're coming to work with me. My (laughs) father, my father worked at Elliot and son until he was 63 years old. That's amazing. So that's amazing. So so he did come from poor family.
0: Now, now is it important for you to sell this book?
1: I, I, that's not the purpose. I wrote it. I actually, I think it's a great book. I mean, uh, I'm a pretty avid reader, and uh, when I finished it, I really didn't read the entire book until I finished it. You know, it was, and it was done, and all the editing was done, and I think it reads very well. But I'm, I'm not really trying to make money. I mean, if I can cover my publishing costs, that'd be great. So you're but, not gonna
0: uh, you're not gonna like go crazy trying to to sell it. Uh, or...
1: I don't think so, unless <laughs> unless somebody calls me up and says, hey. You know, you really got something here, uh, we'd like to do something with it. Sure, then I would. I live on an island in South Carolina. It's called Kalawasi Island, an old Indian name, but it's uh, it's right near Buford, South Carolina. Okay. And in in Buford, uh, it, it's a very artsy town, and we have some authors there. Pat Conroy, yep. uh, the author, yep. uh, he lived in Buford. Matter of fact, we, we lived a couple houses away from him when he was alive. I got to know him a little bit but there's a Pat Conroy literary it's like a library kind of thing and they they new authors can go there and introduce their books so I think I'll probably do that locally There you go And <laughs> also uh we have a branch of University of South Carolina in Beaufort and uh I've been at their library many times and talked to their librarian uh I told them I'd like to uh just give a couple copies of the book to the library and uh if any of the classes were interested in uh, having me do a presentation, I'd do that.
0: Yeah, you sound like you do presentations very well. You're you're an engineer, right? You graduated from Drexel. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I studied structural engineering for nine years. I graduated from night school in 1966.
0: Good for you! I bet that worked out for you.
1: Yeah, it did. Ended <laughs> up, uh, I worked for a large land developer up in uh, northern New Jersey, Harts Mountain Industries. I was there chief engineer and uh, in charge of their construction for 20 years, then I opened my own consulting firm for another 20 years, so I really had a good ride. And I've always liked to write, and uh, I wrote a lot of memoirs, short stories, poems, things like that. I've had some stuff published in uh, small local papers and so forth, but uh, this is really my first effort at a book, and it was quite challenging, I must say.
0: Well, congratulations! Good for you. Yeah, well, thanks,
1: thanks. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's a it was a uh, a real learning experience. Though, the whole publishing business and uh, procedure of doing it. it was it was grueling. <laughs> <Getting> <laughs> grueling?
0: Started. Would you ever write another one?
1: Well, actually, I have. Uh, while this book was going through editing. I mean, the editing procedure is a lot of back and forth with a publisher yep. and uh, suggestions and either take it or you don't going through and making corrections. And while all this was going, every time I submit it back, it would take four weeks for a response to come. And so during the four weeks, well, I would write, what else? So as a result, I have like, Five other books in the hopper, uh, all at very all at various stages of completion, and uh, this particular book uh, that we're talking about today, uh, Devil Moon over Philadelphia. the The idea I got of that title was uh, my grandfather was my great grandfather was a very troubled man. You'll see in the story if you read the book. He had a lot of problems and. and Back in those days, when somebody had any kind of a mental illness, they were referred to as lunatics, and they had places like insane asylums. And so I I did a lot of research on uh, lunatics and uh, insane asylums, and it turns out that uh, statistically uh, when there's a full moon, there's a lot more sort of crazy things happening.
0: Would you please tell my family that? I've been telling them that for years. It's a full moon. Leave me alone.
1: It's about, uh, statistics show there's about a 1% jump in homicides yep. and people people entering uh, uh, psychiatric wards, things like that. So in the book, you'll see where my grandfather's very troubled, you know, and he, every once in a while, he looks up at this full moon and it really gives him the heebie-jeebies, you know, and... Uh, he makes him feel strange, and uh, you know, the fact of the matter was he was losing his mind. Aww. You know, he was he was slowly going crazy. Not not just uh, from the problems in his business. Early in his life, he had to go work in the tannery with right. his father, and they're you know of course they're sniffing in all these uh, caustic, yeah, uh, gases and. Uh, chemicals are around them. And uh, that started affecting his brain, too. Wow. Uh, so sad. So it was, it's, it's sort of a tragic story. It's really mm-hmm. a tragic story about a guy who was trying so hard to have a good family. And he's slowly going mad.
0: Oh, wow. You stumbled on a good one. I got to hand it to you. Not everybody gets their hands on a story this good. You know? Well,
1: I think my wife my wife read it, and she's an avid reader. She's in a book club and all that. And she said, Michael, she said, this thing should be a series on Netflix. I was just going to say that. A, you, remember I said my grandfather said they're all gone now? He never told me about his brothers and sisters. He was one of ten. There wow. were ten of them. And uh, when he told me that, there were many of them still alive. They, but they just all sort of went their own way and uh, never kept in touch. My, uh, my wife's an avid reader, and she belongs to a book club, and uh, she read the book, and a couple other people in the book club read it too. And uh, my wife said, Michael, she said, this book is great. I've read a lot of stuff that's not as good as this. And she said, it's so good, it should be a Netflix series because it's so descriptive.
0: Yeah, you can just
1: see. And it is. has all these characters in it, you know, many characters, and uh, taking place in Philadelphia. There's a lot of recognizable uh, places in history there.
0: Amazing, Michael. Good for you. You've inspired me, Michael. You've inspired me. I
1: hope you get a copy of my book and read it. I will. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot. You yeah, have a great day. Okay, you too. Okay, bye-bye. Right.
0: Next up, a couple of books written during the pandemic. And I'm telling you, we have a growing list of them, including The Best Dad by Samantha Sanders Tory.
2: Um, so I had my second baby right out of nursing school, right whenever COVID really started. And um I was like losing a lot of patience from COVID and uh, I was a cardiac nurse and the only thing that really pulled me out of like I I ended up going into like kind of like a mild postpartum depression where I was just like anxious about losing my baby and and I was also very concerned about my older son as well and so I actually started writing children's books for them um, that and and it just really helped me get out of like my funk and give something back to them that we could like do together and and it, it ended up being something that my family really loved and people started asking me to write books for like their kids and so I started doing that I ended up writing like over 20 of them and then my my mom came to me one day and and she said that you know she wanted to help me publish one of them and so here we are. <laughs> Had you ever written
0: before this?
2: Um, no, I, I've always, I've, my family's very artistic. Um, they're all musicians, and um, they all sketch and paint and do stuff like that. They're all very creative, and so I've always like sketched, but I've never really wrote like a book until this.
0: Amazing. You know, if COVID was good for one thing, it was bringing people to writing. So many people yeah. found comfort through writing, either yeah. writing their first book or keeping a journal or sorting through thoughts they hadn't had a chance to pay attention to. And I often joke I'm going to do a show just with COVID writers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know
2: what I mean? So yeah. what's your book about? So um the book is about my my kid's dad he builds these trucks and they're they're called rock crawlers and he he goes into the woods and goes camping with all of us go and the trucks that he builds are really like put to the test and they they rock crawl over these huge boulders and my kids have learned um, a lot about building these trucks and how to drive them and and it's something that every summer where we live uh, we always go to this the main trail that we go to is the mckinney rubicon trail and it's and it's beautiful it's got wildflowers and all of these different animals and just all of these adventurous things for them to do and there's swimming but mainly there's rock crawling and and they it's something that they're able to really bond over and so it was whenever i started like looking for books that were towards rock crawling there's not really a lot of them and so like writing this book i i it's basically a book about their their adventures like my my son's adventures with their dad and just going to the mckinney rubicon trail and going rock crawling and and kind of like it's it's fun but they and but they really rely on their dad to like get through the harder obstacles and he he teaches them a lot and and just helps them helps them learn how to get better at it well the name of your book is the best dad so what
0: what is the plot I guess or what is the story specific to this book is there do they you know encounter a difficult situation or do they have to overcome something do they learn something in particular
2: yeah it's just it's just a really challenging sport and they have, like the dad is actually a rock crawler and the two little, the little trucks or my sons, they're, they're also rock crawlers. And so they all go to the trail and, you know, there's a huge water crossing and they're really worried about it. And so he helps them get across it. He helps them build up their truck to be stronger. He teaches them things about themselves and and just helps them to be better little buggies <laughs> that's so funny so the characters are the trucks yes
0: oh that's so sweet are the characters the trucks in every book you said you've written like 20 no
2: no um there it, it's all it's all different it's all different things i I've, I've i've written every book has a different story so i have a one of my friends that I worked with during COVID she was a nurse and she actually had her baby two weeks before I had my baby and um, her baby ended up passing away of of SIDS and she had a really hard time explaining to her son who was also the same age as my son basically like why did his little sister pass away after you know she passed away at three months old so they had plenty of time to get very close to her, and I ended up writing a book for him. Um, just that, you know, she was she was this little angel that God only allowed to come down for a short amount of time because she just craved being with this family that she had watched over. And he told her that he could that she could go down, but she had to come back because uh, he needed her in heaven too. And so she was able to go and spend a few months at with this family. Um, but that she's always with them and he can, he can see his sister and the rainbows and the butterflies and the flowers and stuff like that, because she wanted to come back to see him um, in the things that he loved the most. And, you know, so like stuff like that, I, I, I've written books just about like trying to help my older son be a good, um, big brother to his little brother. Uh, And just, just all kinds of things, just whatever comes to my mind.
0: Are you able to read your books to, uh, to other kids?
2: Yeah. uh, I've done a lot of books for kids that have like gone through things and I'm, I haven't really like read to like a lot of kids. It's mainly like I'll write a book for a specific uh, group of kids, but the rock crawling community actually has a lot of kids involved in it and there's not a lot of children's books that are specifically towards rock crawling. So there's a lot of companies that they sell like kids clothing for rock crawling and also they they sell like rock crawling parts and stuff like that. But they don't actually sell any any books. And so I've reached out to a couple of them just to see if maybe they would be interested and and they are. They want to see the book and then i've got a, a like some local shops where i'm at that want to sell it
0: that's a great idea to reach out to these companies that yeah. are specific it's a specific audience but yeah it goes beyond that specific audience because you're talking about you know little boys who love this kind of stuff yes. and probably yes. girls too you know yes yes
2: yeah um i i would like to see how this one goes i do really enjoy writing them Um, This is my first time doing anything like this. So I don't really know what I'm doing. I know that there is definitely a, a little bit of a margin just to see like which way it can go. But it's, it's definitely something that I would like to continue to pursue and also continue to reach out to like, those populations of kids that, you know, they do go through little traumas that people don't really help them through unless it's like a family helping them through it. Like, like my friend that lost her baby, and right. um, and you know, it, it would be, it would be um, nice just to be able to reach out to those kids and just let them know, like, you know, that they're that they're not really they're not alone. Unfortunately, like these things happen, and you know, and just try to give them a different perspective as well.
0: Sam, your heart is in the right place. I'll tell you, I'm, that.
2: I'm trying. It really is. Where where are
0: you in California?
2: i'm I'm in California. I'm originally from Mississippi uh, but i'm in I'm in a super small town in California We're a little north of Lake Tahoe. Okay. Uh, so in the mountains, but uh, the town that I live in, we don't have a stoplight. we <laughs> don't have a gas station. we don't have nothing. Um, <laughs> but it's really given my kids a really wonderful place to grow up they they they've kind of grown up away from the hustle and bustle of the of the city was, I'm sure you're used to in New York. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's crazy. Did you go back to nursing?
2: <laughs> yes, I still, I still am nursing. I am in a in a smaller hospital now. These patients where I used to work, I was a cardiac nurse, and I would have five to six patients, and um, I was night shift, so it was a little slower. But it, I never really got to know my patients. And that was the whole reason I went into nursing is I wanted to get to know these people that I was caring for and know their families. And I ended up transferring to a really small hospital close to where I live. Um, There's about nine hospital beds in it and that's about it. But I have gotten so close with my patients and their families and just been able to like really sit with them and talk with them and let them feel like I was somebody that they can trust and, you know, because you go to the hospital and you, and you're like letting a stranger treat you with sometimes really scary medications for really scary problems. And I think, you know, whenever people can actually just get to know who's, who their nurses and, you know, then the family knows who they're talking to and there's like a sense of community there. Um, that people, they do better and they feel better and they feel more comfortable there. So it makes me feel better to be involved like that. Maybe you'll write about that someday. Maybe, yeah. Yeah,
0: wouldn't that be great? That would be. Listen, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you
2: so much. Thank you so much. It was nice talking to you.
0: T.E. Kyle Holtz is also a member of the COVID Writing Club. It was during the lockdown that he was inspired to write a Western entitled Somewhere.
3: You know, I read a lot of and at the beginning of COVID, uh, my daughter bought me a bunch of books to read because we're going to be cooped up. And I was reading one one day and I thought to myself, I can write this good. Ah. <laughs> and so, I, <laughs> and I thought that, you know, and I just decided to write a book. And, that, and I, I don't know if you want to call it boredom, uh, being, uh, you know, isolated from everybody. I decided to do something. So I wrote uh I wrote uh, somewhere the first book.
0: Oh, so this is just the first. Now it's look it looks to me like it's
3: historical fiction. It is. Did you it, have to it, do it a lot historical. of research? Um not a whole lot of research. I'm I'm versed uh pretty well in the in, in the Civil War. Um I was part of a uh historical reenactment unit as a Union cavalry and I've always been interested as as a uh, you know, from childhood and also from childhood, you know, I grew up on a farm around horses and cattle and and all that thing. I, and uh, fortunately, I have relatives that live out in Wyoming. So, uh, you know, I guess my you know, I didn't do a whole lot like I would check things as I write. Right. Um, you know, as I'm writing, I thinking, does that it, it, like words and you know, that word exist. Right and and things like that. I would just uh, fact check myself on certain things, but for the most part, I didn't do a lot of research for book one. Uh, And I've traveled back and forth from Pennsylvania to uh, Cody, Wyoming, so many times that. And every time I do it, I think to myself, man, how did the people back then do it? I mean, it is a long trip in a car
0: i know and think about it think about it, they went all the way to california they went across death have you ever been to death valley you, you know oh, you're know. like how did they ever get across death valley my god it's what it. what, did, what were these people made of in horses and wagons and buggies and food and guy uh, it, yeah. it must have been impossible to keep things you know from going bad and uh, it's crazy what they went through so, um, Absolutely. so this, I love your name, Jeremiah Bradley O'Shea.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Where did that name come from? That's your main character, I'm assuming. JB O'Shea,
3: um, just Adam, I, I, I just made him up. Uh, I wanted him to be an ex cavalry soldier and riding in the third Pennsylvania cavalry unit, which I put him in because that was a unit that you know that I rode with in this historical reenactment uh, unit um a lot some Irish boys or a lot of Irish boys so coming out of Pennsylvania so I, that's why I just I just picked him out just a name right and uh he he is my main character
0: yeah so what tell me about this guy what what makes him want to head west from Lancaster Pennsylvania which is a beautiful place
3: yes uh he um lived through the Civil War, was wounded right at the end. But before the Civil War started, in b- about 1858, his brother and his brother's new wife, Brad, left Lancaster to head west. Okay. His brother could kind of read the tea leaves, his older brother, that things weren't going to be well in the east. And he wanted to go west. So Jeremiah's driving force during the battle, during the war, the Civil War, was that uh, when it was over, that's what he wanted to do. he was he was going to to go west to be with his brother and his brother's family. And that was a lot of times what kept him alive during the war
0: was that hope?
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: So I'm sure he he encounters some characters along the way.
3: Oh, he, yes. Uh, he did it. He started off. he started his journey off by himself, thinking, uh, hoping it would be more therapeutic because of the person that he had become during the civil war and he knew it wasn't a real really nice person but he encounters many people along the way and uh, one in particular he takes under his wing uh, uh, a young uh, young boy that's uh, a stowaway on a train and he he kind of takes him in and they, you know, they're going to become partners when they finally get to where they're going, which is somewhere.
0: <laughs> which is somewhere, which is some, we don't know where, we don't know where they're going to end
3: up. He didn't know exactly where his brother's branch was in the Wyoming territories. And when people would talk to him, he well, where are you going? And he says, I'm somewhere, you know, somewhere out in the Wyoming territory, somewhere out west. He was He couldn't pinpoint it, so he would refer to it as somewhere.
0: And you know how big Wyoming is. It's oh, yeah, huge. I've been there.
3: <laughs> you got cross the Bighorn Mountains before you get to the Rocky Mountains.
0: So we, we follow him roaming around Wyoming looking for his brother?
3: No, 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 no. Okay. As as he, as he goes, I mean, his brother drew him. His brother sent him a map. Okay. So he's following this map, but he's still, you know, in his mind, he's still not sure because all of this is new. Everything he sees, everything does, you know, all, you know, the Badlands, Oh, when he sees the Badlands and the Black Hills for the first time, he's like, what What the hell is this? Right. You know, and uh, and he meets and encounters uh, different people, makes some friends, makes some enemies, you know, and th- th- that's the way the, the story goes. There's got to be a shootout. There's more than one, let's say, because of just the way things happen. And I mean. Uh, when the first book first picks up, uh, he's on the train and he, he starts on the train, of course. And he meets this young lady. Uh, of course, she's from the South. He's from the North. And he puts together that her last name is Johnston. And is she related to uh, the general Joe Johnston of the South, anyhow, um, they kind of have it hit it off. And then she just, Gets off the train. She basically disappears. But there's people following her. So that's that's the first kind of encounter. But then along the way, uh, he meets, um, you know, there's always highwaymen. And, of course, you have your occasional uh, Indians. Uh, but there, the book ex- goes in depth, explaining mm-hmm. that there's different Indians. That you, know, you can't judge basically one indian by another indian they're very different cultures very different beliefs you know some he befriends some he lives with they live with uh, uh, an indian family for uh, almost a month because one of his uh travel buddies got hurt and there and these indians and sioux indians uh he lives with them they live with them until he gets better but uh he also realizes the sioux have enemy. <laughs> Right. And, you know, and you learn that uh, just because your skin may be a particular color, you may not you may not be with that particular group of people. Right. right. So you you learn all these things.
0: Now, do, is this and, a, is there a cliffhanger at the end of this book?
3: Yes, there is. At the end of the book, uh, towards the end of the book, the the guy, um, his name's Calvin and he's the, he's the, the boy he picks up on the train and. From that point, when they get off the train all the way west, all the way west, they, they're they talking about, he he said, you know, you'll be my partner. He really liked this kid, uh, you know, and they talked about how they were going to build the ranch, you know, and what they were going to do, what they want to do. And in the end, they are one day away from his brother's ranch to getting to where he has to go. Hmm. And they encounter they encounter uh, a group of hostile Indians and Calvin, along with another man he met, was killed. And Calvin dies. He's holding Calvin in his arms, and Calvin's dying. Oh. And he promises. He promises Calvin. He said, "You will always be my partner." And he named his ranch the Rocking Sea Ranch when he, you know, because of Calvin. Oh. Um, and the other thing is the the people that have read the book so far. The girl, the first girl in the book, um, he met, who disappears. They're really pissed off that, I, and I and, and I haven't brought her back yet, and I don't know if I'm gonna. I'm, on, I'm well, starting well, book you, five.
0: You're you're cracking me up because the for, when you said somebody's following her, I was like, oh, okay, what happens to her? So that's not a thread you really picked up on again.
3: I haven't come back to her yet. Oh, and you're on book five. I, yes. Wow,
0: you are something else.
3: Yeah, I'm. I am on. I am on book five. And your readers are angry. So,
0: they are angry.
3: Well, everybody that <laughs> has read book one, they're like, why how, how, what, what happened? You know, what happened to Addie, and how the, how could you dare kill Calvin off in the end? How uh, could you do that? Because I mean, you know, a couple of people said I, I had to put the book down. I started crying. I said, let me tell you something. When I wrote that, when I wrote that chapter, when I wrote his death. I got emotional and I'm the author. I'm, I'm making this up and I'm like, wait, you know, it's it's just that that type of, uh, you know, scene where uh, his best friend in the world and, and this guy that he had planned to, you know, live the rest of his life, you know, working together with is dead. And that's how quick thing changes.
0: So, so you're hooked up with the, I love these groups that do the Civil War reenactments.
3: Well, they do them all the time. I mean, around here, being living close to Gettysburg, it's the 4th of July and things like that. 4th of July? Right. Okay. Uh, they're not they're not nearly like they used to be back when I was doing it. I mean, I, I would help make the movie uh, Gettysburg, which they made in Gettysburg, which when it began, it was called Killer Angels. That was part of the 100 cavalry people that made that movie. Wow. They had 100 of us. Uh, in the, from the country, you know, in the country that came to Gettysburg to make that movie.
0: Hmm. But,
3: so I was part of that, and I got to work with some very interesting people. I bet <laughs> uh, Sam Elliott being one of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I heard he's an interesting guy. Okay, I would think that would be a book that you would find out in Gettysburg at one of their bookshops. Oh yeah.
3: And yeah, and I, and I have some uh, signings, uh, book signings uh, lined up that I'm going to do and things like that, uh, Created my own, you know, my web page and all that.
0: Good for you. Good for you. I think that's the best way to go,
3: Espe- yeah. especially uh, a book
0: like this, because I can imagine you standing there and people have all kinds of questions, not just about your book, but with your background and, you know, just knowing as much as you do about the Civil War, you'd be, a fa- you know, fascinating for people to come and listen yeah. to. Good for you.
3: <laughs> so, yeah. So, the, you know, that's what I talk about. And of course, uh, growing up with, uh, my grandfather who was, who would go West, he was one of the biggest buyers for SK meats out of Baltimore. And he would go West and he would buy, uh, train loads of cattle and bring them back to, to Baltimore. So as a little kid, uh, I would ride, uh, ponies. I remember pushing ponies or not ponies, um, cattle from the farm in modern station down to uh rocky ridge uh where they would load them up wow and i and, you know
0: yeah and they would meet and their so, fate
3: so <laughs> that's why i wrote somewhere uh and used and, and in those times because uh, i can relate to it and you know i know a little bit about oh, yeah you can uh, everything that's going on
0: you can draw on all those experiences good for you yeah so when's book two coming out
3: uh, let's see how book one goes. All right. All right. <laughs> and book two could come out tomorrow if I let it. Okay. Uh, you know, these plans I have, uh, I joined the Western Writers uh, Association and I'm headed out to their convention in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota and, and uh, make contacts there. And, but um, I feel like my best way of advertising and and promoting the book is is on the web. I mean, you know, can reach a lot of people that way.
0: Yeah, you can. And you reach people, you can find people that will be interested in this kind of thing.
3: Oh, yeah. You know, believe me, I have. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I already have.
0: Good for you. I'm going to have you talk to our other writers. I interview so many writers who just don't know where to begin. And and Paige does, like they send stuff out and they do what they do. But nobody's going to promote that book like you are. No, I don't care what anybody right. says. You got to get behind it. You got to get out there. You got to talk about it, and you have to find your audience. Right. And it sounds like you're right exactly. on top of that.
3: Um, believe me, Alice, I'm trying. And uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, one of the things I've done is increase my like my Facebook friends. You know, yeah when i tie all that in uh i you know over the past couple of months i've increased my facebook friends from like it started i was like it you know let's say 600 and now i'm over three thousand,
1: okay. you know
3: and you know so that you know that's part of my plan to just uh reach as many people as i can to promote it yeah because like you said I you know page is only gonna do so much so we'll see yeah the ball's still up in the air for them but um uh, that's why I'm talking to you, though. All right.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I promise you I will put this out there and we'll take it from there. And you will get a copy of it so you could post this online, too.
3: I appreciate that. You got it. I really do.
0: All right. You have a great day.
3: Thank you, Alex. All
0: right. You take care. For MJ Pittman, writing became a hobby about eight years ago. Then a passion and then a dream inspired him to write Shades of Destiny Revelations.
4: The first Iron Marvel Iron Man came out, right? Right. And everyone was into superheroes. And I was thinking to myself, I grew up reading all the comics and everything, but I never saw too many superhero novels. And so I had this idea and I started writing the story and um it it wasn't well received with with my friends because in all honesty it was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I had forgot about it. And I think I did that like way back when, like I said, Iron Man came out. And then I was sitting on my laptop one day cleaning it out. I was actually getting it ready for a friend to use. And I came across it and I started reading. And I'm like, wow, this is terrible. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so I, but I saved it for some reason. I saved like kind of like, there were some parts of it that were okay. And um, I guess my brain just kept unconsciously working it over working it over then one night I had this very very vivid dream that was the world of shades of destiny and I woke up and I was obsessed I I just kept writing what I saw like describing things and the characters and the world and I just kind of just kept writing and it literally just from there like I said it just was like a snowball rolling downhill just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and the concept changed over time because it was originally going to be first person and then it's not now. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it went from four books to, to a possible seven book series. And yeah.
0: Seven books? That's a lot of books. All right, so what's the story?
4: And it's nuts and bolts. It's a, it's a story about friendship framed in a post-apocalyptic world. The main characters, some of them are, are new friends forged by the apocalypse. Some of them are old friends who had heard about this mythical realms. Um, and these realms kind of ran the world, so to speak. They kind of make up the world. And as they kind of come, in, come of age, they realize that they're part of these realms more than they realized, And they discover they have abilities that can help them and aid them but then they find out you know there's some more sinister things in the world and and unfortunately f- friends who were best friends they find out we were, were on the different different sides of the of the world <laughs> and and different sides of of concepts and so they they have their struggle with their friendship through this post apocalyptic world and trying to trying to save everything but at the same time there's always that evil element in the background working working against them
0: so this is uh, michael shane and Damon. correct trying to work through this post-apocalyptic world but they all have different ideas as to how they should proceed yes so are they able to maintain their friendship
4: <laughs> um not really so the the beauty of the story is there's these in this in the story there's the talk of these five realms and two of them in, in the history of the lore are destroyed. There's only these three realms, and they find out that they're pretty much the leaders or, or the front people for these three realms. Uh, um, Michael and Shane actually meet post-apocalypse, and Damien and Michael were best friends before the apocalypse, but kind of lose their way. Okay. I do lay the foundation for all seven books in the one book. Like... There, there's unfortunately it does end, um, probably leaving people wanting a little more. But there was too much to tell in one book. Okay. Um, and I wanted to keep it with the with a young adult genre. I wanted this to be like an enjoyable read, but that wasn't those epic fantasies where, my gosh, I've been trying to read this book for for two years and I can never seem to quite get through it because something always block you know comes up. Right. I want people to be able to, you know, if they go on vacation, they could, they could read it in four days if they wanted to or three days. Okay.
0: Are there lessons learned here?
4: Oh, yes. There's a story about discovery and friendship, and there's there's a lot of lessons. Not everything is what it seems. Okay. I I think the, the best thing is it comes from some life experiences where often the lines between good and evil are more blurred than they are black and white. Mm-hmm. And there's, you never know what someone's intentions are. And so, someone could have the best intentions and still do the wrong things. And then people label them as evil, or vice versa. Someone could be doing evil things, but have really good intentions. And do the ends justify the means? Right. You never know. And so, those are the kind of like the, the lessons this group learns along the way along with their self-discovery. Some friendships are tested, some are forged, some are, you know, but what they find is that it's a, a strength in community.
0: Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. There's something to hang on to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How are you telling people about this?
4: I'm using social media. I'm going to be hitting the ground, running with going to the local bookstores. um, hoping to go to some book conventions. There you go. Um, using my friend network as well. Like a lot of friends and family. I have friends and family all over the country, actually all over the world, mm. really. Um, I have some friends in Germany. I have some friends in Japan. Um, when I originally was bringing this process along, I was doing a lot of Facebook kind of social media updates and um, a lot of interest actually came from places. I, I didn't know. When I, um, So it's really interesting. So I, I have a small little following, kind of in Southeast Asia. Wow. <laughs> in the Philippines. And so that was interesting to me. That was kind of organic. I, I didn't target there, but they they seemed to like my posts and follow my my page and hopefully they've been purchasing my book. <laughs>
0: See, I find that really interesting because some people have a very difficult time putting their stuff out on social media, but you just don't know where you will hit on, you know, your post-apocalyptic target audience. Right. Right. People that are into this genre, and that's exactly who you're looking for, and you didn't even try, and you hit them.
4: Yeah, and so like I said, like I've been just honestly putting it out there. um, Some paid ads, some not, obviously. And some things grew organically. I have a website, ShadesOfDestiny.com. Okay. um, That kind of outlines the book and how to purchase it and also has a little more behind the scenes, some pictures and places that inspired some of the scenes.
0: Good. So you're on your way.
4: I'm getting there. All right. Well, I'll talk
0: to you uh, some some somewhere between uh, book two and book seven. How's that? Sounds
4: great. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm.